I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. In today's reading, we'll be looking at Job chapters 10 through 13. Chapter 10 is a continuation of the speech that Job began in Job chapter 9. We see in this chapter that Job's not paranoid. All his problems are actually real. Verse 1. My soul is weary of my life. I will leave my complaint upon myself. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. I will say unto God, Do not condemn me. Show me wherefore thou contendest with me. It is good unto thee that thou shouldest oppress, that thou shouldest despise the work of thine hands, and shine upon the counsel of the wicked. Hast thou eyes of flesh, or seest thou as man seeth? Are thy days as the days of men? Are thy years as man's days? That thou inquirest after mine iniquity, and searcheth after my sin? Thou knowest that I am not wicked, and there is none that can deliver out of thine hand. Thine hands have made me, and fashioned me together round about, yet thou dost destroy me. Remember, I beseech thee, that thou hast made me as the clay, and wilt thou bring me into dust again? Hast thou not poured me out as milk, and curdled me like cheese? Thou hast clothed me with skin and flesh, and hast fenced me with bones and sinews. Thou hast granted me life and favor, and thy visitation hath preserved my spirit. And these things hast thou hid in thine heart. I know that this is with thee. If I sin, then thou markest me, and thou wilt not acquit me from my iniquity. If I be wicked, woe unto me, and if I be righteous, yet will I not lift up my head. I am full of confusion, therefore see thou mine affliction. For it increaseth, thou huntest me as a fierce lion, and again thou showest thyself marvelous upon me. Thou renewest thy witness against me, and increasest thine indignation upon me. Changes in war are against me. Wherefore then hast thou brought me forth out of the womb? Oh, that I had given up the ghost, and no eye had seen me. I should have been as though I had not been. I should have been carried from the womb to the grave. Are not my days few? Cease then, and let me alone, that I may take comfort a little. Before I go whence I shall not return, even to the land of darkness and the shadow of death. The land of darkness is darkness itself, and of the shadow of death, without any order, and where the light is as darkness. Well, this chapter is a continuation of Job's third speech, which he began back in Job chapter 9. It's a response to Bildad's speech. Job's added again, expressing unbearable grief. Job's speech shifts gears in verse 2, as he appears to be addressing God himself with his thoughts. As he cries out to God, it's interesting that he's not asking for healing or even restoration. He just wants to know why. Maybe it's just me, but if I was covered with oozing sores, I'd be asking for a little physical healing at this point. But Job in verse 2 is just intent on knowing. He says, show me wherefore thou contendest with me. 
The remainder of chapter 10 is Job addressing God in the presence of his friends. So let's go over the dilemma again. Job's theology and that of his friends consist of the doctrine that when bad things happen, it's because of sin. In other words, God is punishing that's at least what's in their minds. This concept of trial without the presence of sin is a completely foreign doctrine to all of them. Job's problem? Well, he was a man who was meticulous about shunning sin and serving God. In his mind, his theology of God had crash-landed. Now, from his friends' perspectives, they think that he must be a closet sinner, a theory that even seems a little amusing to them. They seem to take a little pleasure in believing that goody-goody Job was, in reality, not as righteous as they thought he was. From Job's perspective, he's more interested in understanding his circumstances than he is acquiring physical restoration. Nowhere in the whole book does Job ask God for healing or restoration. He just wants answers. In this chapter, he presents himself as a marked man without hope. He doesn't feel he has a chance, as we see in verse 16 when he says, Thou huntest me as a fierce lion. And again thou showest thyself marvelous upon me. Then in verse 19 he does his death wish routine again when he says, I should have been as though I had not been. I should have been carried from the womb to the grave. In the written notes of BibleTrack.org I've included an article that I've written entitled Trial Versus Chastisement. It really answers the issues of Job and his friends on this issue of why is this stuff happening to Job himself? And you may want to take a look at that on the written notes of BibleTrack.org for today's reading. In chapter 10, we get a new player that weighs in, another one of Job's friends. His name is Zophar the Naamathite. Reading now chapter 10, verse 1. Then answered Zophar the Naamathite and said, Should not the multitude of words be answered? And should a man full of talk be justified? Should thy lies make men hold their peace? And when thou mockest, shall no man make thee ashamed? For thou hast said, My doctrine is pure, and I am clean in thine eyes. But, O, oh, that God would speak and open his lips against thee, and that he would show thee the secrets of wisdom, that they are double to that which is. Know therefore that God exacteth of thee less than thine iniquity deserveth. Canst thou by searching find out God? Canst thou find out the Almighty unto perfection? It is as high as heaven. And what canst thou do? Deeper than hell, what canst thou know? The measure thereof is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. If he cut off and shut up or gather together, then who can hinder him? For he knoweth vain men, he seeth wickedness also. Will he not then consider it? For vain man would be wise, though man be born like a wild ass's coat. If thou prepare thine heart and stretch out thine hands toward him, if iniquity be in thine hand, put it far away, and let not wickedness dwell in thy tabernacles. For then shalt thou lift up thy face without spot. Yea, thou shalt be steadfast, and shalt not fear. Because thou shalt forget thy misery, and remember it as the waters that pass away. And thine age shall be clearer than the noonday. Thou shalt shine forth. Thou shalt be as the morning. And thou shalt be secure, because there is hope. 
Yea, thou shalt dig about thee, and thou shalt take thy rest in safety. And thou shalt lie down, and none shall make thee afraid. Yea, many shall make suit unto thee. But the eyes of the wicked shall fail, and they shall not escape, and their hope shall be as the giving up of the ghost. Well, here's a man who doesn't mince words. He goes right after Job, right to his integrity and Job's truthfulness. It's Zophar's first speech to Job. In verses 1 and 2, he accuses Job of foolish talk and insists that Job should be ashamed. In verse 3, he says, Should thy lies make men hold their peace? Mm, I think he just called Job a liar. He disputes Job's righteousness and suggests that God himself should speak out against Job's sin. Then everybody would know the truth about Job. Look at verse 11. For he knoweth vain men, he seeth wickedness also. Will he not then consider it? Hmm, did, did he just suggest that Job is a wicked and vain man? This guy's a friend? He certainly can spin a put-down, though. Look at verse 12. For vain man would be wise, though man be born like a wild ass's coat. Um, did he just label Job a witless, empty-headed man with as much chance to become wise as a wild donkey has to be born tame? Here's the bottom line on chapter 11. Zophar eloquently tells Job to his face that he's a liar. Zophar's advice is clear in verses 13 and 14. All of Job's troubles would be behind him if he'll just confess to sin and just ask God for forgiveness. In chapter 12, it's Job's turn to speak again. But sometimes, you know, you just got to give a sarcastic answer. Verse 1. And Job answered and said, No doubt, but ye are the people, and wisdom shall die with you. But I have understanding as well as you. I am not in fear to you, yea, who knoweth not such things as these? I am as one mocked of his neighbor, who calleth upon God, and he answereth him. And the just upright man is laughed to scorn. He that is ready to slip with his feet is as a lamp despised in the thought of him that is at ease. The tabernacles of robbers prosper, and they that provoke God are secure, into whose hand God bringeth forth abundantly. But ask now the beast, and they shall teach thee, and the fowls of the air, and they shall tell thee. Or speak to the earth, and it shall teach thee, and the fishes of the sea shall declare unto thee. Who knoweth not in all these things that the hand of the Lord hath wrought this? In whose hand is the soul of every living thing, and the breath of all mankind? Doth not the ear try words, and the mouth taste his meat? With the ancient is wisdom, and in length of days understanding. With him is wisdom and strength, he hath counsel and understanding. Behold, he breaketh down, and it cannot be built again. He shutteth up a man, and there can be no opening. Behold, he withholdeth the waters, and they dry up. Also he sendeth them out, and they overturn the earth. With him is strength and wisdom. The deceived and the deceiver are his. He leadeth counselors away spoiled, and maketh the judges fools. He looseth the bond of kings, and girdeth their loins with a girdle. He leadeth princes away spoiled, and overthroweth the mighty. He removeth away the speech of the trusty and taketh away the understanding of the aged. 
He poureth contempt upon princes, and weakened the strength of the mighty. He discovereth deep things out of darkness, and bringeth out to light the shadow of death. He increaseth the nations, and destroyeth them. He enlargeth the nations, and straighteneth them again. He taketh away the heart of the chief of the people of the earth, and causeth them to wander in a wilderness where there is no way. They grope in the dark without light, and he maketh them to stagger like a drunken man. In this chapter, we see Job's response to Zophar's speech of chapter 11. This speech, which is Job's fourth, goes all the way through chapter 14. It's a long speech. I like what Job says in verse 2. Listen closely. No doubt, but you are the people, and wisdom shall die with you. In other words, Job is sarcastically replying and saying this, You guys think you're the only wise people in the world. That's a pretty nice cut, Job. Job is quick to point out that he's not inferior to them in knowledge of God. He still maintains his innocence in verse 4 when he says, I am as one mocked of his neighbor, who calleth upon God, and he answereth him. The just upright man is laughed to scorn. He goes on to point out in verse 6 that idolaters and sinners are prospering while he, a righteous man, is suffering. Then he spends the rest of this chapter extolling God. He seems to be saying that God's ways are just too complex to be presented with the simplicity he's hearing from his friends. He doesn't have the answer to his suffering, but he's certain that his friends don't have the answer either. In chapter 13, Job's speech continues. Verse 1. Lo, mine eye hath seen all this, mine ear hath heard and understood it. What ye know, the same do I know also. I am not inferior unto you. Surely I would speak to the Almighty, and I desire to reason with God. But you are forger of lies, you are all physicians of no value. Oh, that you would altogether hold your peace, and it should be your wisdom. Hear now my reasoning, and hearken to the pleading of my lips. Will ye speak wickedly for God, and talk deceitfully for Him? Will you accept His person? Will you contend for God? Is it good that He should search you out? Or as one man mocketh another, do ye mock him? He will surely reprove you, if you do secretly accept persons. Should not his excellency make you afraid, and his dread fall upon you? Your remembrances are all likened to ashes, your bodies to bodies of clay. Hold your peace, let me alone that I may speak, and let come on me what will. Wherefore do I take my flesh in my teeth, and put my life in mine hand? Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. He also shall be my salvation, for an hypocrite shall not come before him. Hear diligently my speech and my declaration with your ears. Behold, now I have ordered my cause. I know that I shall be justified. Who is he that will plead with me? For now, if I hold my tongue, I shall give up the ghost. Only do not two things unto me. Then will I not hide myself from thee. Withdraw thine hand far from me, and let not thy dread make me afraid. Then call thou, and I will answer, or let me speak, and answer thou me. How many are my iniquities and sins? Make me to know my transgression and my sin. Wherefore hidest thou thy face, and holdest me for thine enemy? Wilt thou break a leaf driven to and fro, and wilt thou pursue the dry stubble? 
For thou writest bitter things against me, and makest me to possess the iniquities of my youth. Thou puttest my feet also in the stocks, and lookest narrowly into all my paths. Thou settest a print upon the heels of my feet, and he as a rotten thing consumeth, as a garment that is moth-eaten. Now, as I said, this is a continuation of the speech that Job began all the way back in chapter 12. And he's still not done yet, either. Here he makes a reference to all his friends sitting around and giving advice about that which they know nothing. In verse 2 he points out and says this, You guys don't know anything that I don't know. Given the opportunity, verse 3, he felt he could prove his case before God. Hey Job, tell us what you really think about the advice you're getting from your friends. Well, there it is in Job 13, verse 4. He says, But you are forgers of lies. You're all physicians of no value. Obviously, Job was a little bit irritated with his friends, wouldn't you say? He gently tells them to shut up in verse 5. What a testimony Job has in verse 15. Here's what he says. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain my own ways before him. In other words, no matter what happens, Job says he'll serve God. When you look at that statement in contrast to what we know to be Satan's mission here, that verse takes on a new meaning. You'll recall from chapter 2 verse 5 that Satan had told God that he could cause Job to curse thee to thy face. Well, Satan, think again. By verse 18, he proclaims that he's confident that he shall be justified. Now, Zophar seems to have provoked a more determined monologue from Job in this monologue, less pity, albeit his attitude seems to have grown less patient with his three friends here. This speech continues into Job chapter 14. Now, if you're looking for the last of these four chapters, let me give it to you. Here it is. Don't guess when you're giving counsel to other people. It turns out that these so-called counselors were dead wrong about Job's condition. One valuable outcome of reading the book of Job should be that we will take great care in making certain that any counsel we offer to others is completely scriptural. Tomorrow we'll be looking at a New Testament reading, but the day after tomorrow on the 10th we'll be looking at the continuation of Job's monologue here as we look at Job chapter 14. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walter.